This is Will Friedle, the voice of the future Dark Knight, Batman Beyond. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember a few things. First, Dana deserves better. And second, I am Batman. In the year 2039, Gotham City has no heroes. Its people, no hope. Its youth, no future. Terry McGinnis was part of the problem. You can't control your temper, and you'd better if you expect to get anywhere in life. Yeah, I'll be a big success, just like you. Until a moment of violence brought him to the door of a man named Bruce Wayne. Let's put a smile on his face. Leave him alone. Once known as the Batman. You're something. You okay? Now, the Dark Knight will rise again to drive the shadow of evil from the streets of Gotham. Let's go! Super villains, beware! There's a new Batman in town. Batman Beyond. You're pretty strong for some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman. Justice returns to Gotham. Welcome to my world. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 170 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the gentleman that runs our Twitter account. It's Liam. Liam, welcome to the month of August. That's right, it's a a new month, and therefore, of course, we have a new show to talk about. Well, not a new show, a show we've talked about before, but... A different show than we were talking about last month, and that is, of course, as you've heard uh, and as you've seen, if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram at DCAU Review, you knew we were, in fact, back in the futuristic city of Gotham in the year something-something, 20-something-something, and we are, in fact, talking about Batman Beyond, and boy, what an episode we have to talk about this week. That is right. Uh, Those of you who are familiar with Batman Beyond and watched uh, this series, you probably are quite familiar with the episode that we are covering today. Liam, as you revealed last week on uh, on our episode, the Emmy Award winning episode, uh, the egg baby of Batman Beyond as we continue, uh, we review these episodes in order uh, according to the uh, the DVD order, the Blu-ray order. Actually, even I think it's the same order that they put on the uh, the streaming service of HBO Max. Not a not a paid advertisement for the streaming service (laughs) as we always say it could be hbo max you just just send some just send a few of your uh of your at&t dollars our way and we'll be happy to plug away Uh, this could be us (laughs) yes the multi the multimedia uh conglomerate is playing (laughs) exactly but uh liam this episode is uh well known i think for many many reasons it's very silly it's uh 
it's a lot of fun, I think, also. Well, well, some people probably find it fun. Maybe as a child, you found it uh, rather annoying. But uh, we are going to break down and give our review of this episode in just a few moments here. Uh, but before we do that, we have our official unsponsored segment uh, from the IMDb synopsis uh, for this week's episode, which originally aired back on Kids WB. Get this, Liam. April 1st. 2000 that's right no april fool on that one we just passed the 21 year anniversary of this episode that means this episode can legally drink in most states in the united states (laughs) there you go and yes this is for the episode the egg baby which was written by hillary bader and alan burnett directed by james tucker with music by michael mcquistian and animation by coco slash dong yang And that synopsis reads as such. Terry has a school... (laughs) Uh Hard to do that voice when it's the silly. Uh, But I shall soldier on. Terry has a school project where he must constantly care for a baby simulator, even when he's out in the field as Batman. All right. pretty, Pretty literal and descriptive this time, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll give that uh, you know a solid a solid thumb up on uh, on that one. But yeah, we can uh, we can jump into plot from here. But yeah, that is the central uh, conceit of the episode. It's it's kind of we we have uh, this is most of the episode is honestly what they discuss in the synopsis. The B plot being this uh, this villain that uh, that comes to town. It's just it's a new villain to us, the the viewers of the series, or it was at the time. Uh, but not a new villain to Gotham, as we find out pretty quickly that she is a, an old villain, perhaps one that has run afoul of Batman, of the original Batman, in fact, in the past. But uh, she and her two sons, uh, Carl and Slim, have, uh, have we, we see them breaking into a mansion and uh, noticeably only stealing one thing and not the, uh, the rest of the uh, large amount of riches available to them and uh, we sort of quickly find out throughout that episode uh, throughout the episode and then through a conversation that uh, terry and bruce have near the start actually that it appears that maybe she's she there's there's a bit more of a motive and a specific reason she's going after certain items Uh, but before we get to that of course we have the sort of the main and and through plot for the rest of the episode which is of course it's uh it's the the kid needs to learn the responsibilities of being a parent episode of the sitcom. Mom Mayhem? A tabloid gave her that name. It was the golden age of alliteration. So what do you want me to do? Wait till she tries to fence the ruby? I have a feeling she'll be holding on to it. There was another robbery a week ago. More rubies? Exactly. What's she going to do with them all? Don't know. But I have a feeling she's not making slippers. Slippers? From rubies? Mm, before your time. What I need from you is... It'll have to wait till tonight. I gotta get to class. It's family studies and I'm failing. How does someone fail family studies? <laughs> and But instead of like a sack of flour, it's a, it's a robot egg that cries and whines and you have to feed it a fake bottle and, uh, and take care of it. And if you drop it, you break it and the assignment is, uh, is a failing grade. And Terry really needs to pass this class. Yeah, as uh, as as Bruce 
Bruce uh, quizzically, incredulously even asks uh, Ace rhetorically, how do you fail family studies, which is apparently the class <laughs> that, that Terry is failing at this point. And uh, Terry makes it very clear he needs to uh, needs to focus on taking care of this egg baby in order to pass. He doesn't want to have to take uh, family studies over again. There's a <laughs> that's a very, uh, very strong theme in this. He's determined to pass this class. He doesn't want to fail it. Uh, to the point of even uh, getting very angry and, and sh- raising his voice at Bruce saying that he doesn't want to have to take this class over again. And has he ever had to take this class? Uh, so uh, he he himself is actually paired up, as we see in the class, as they're handing out these egg babies. Uh, they pair up these uh, these the different members of the class in, in cu- quote unquote couples. Uh, so we see Terry gets matched up with Blade, uh, who has been featured here and there in a few of the past episodes, maybe most notably in Golem. Uh, but uh, so he's t- paired up with her and uh, Dana is actually paired up with one of our favorite uh, characters, maybe of, of all time in, in the DCAU, <laughs> that being uh, Howard Groot. I've divided you into random couples. Nelson, you'll be paired with Maxine. Oh. John Kay and Rachel Ng. Frankie Lewis and Matilda Itis. Howard Groot and Dana Tan. Hi, honey. Terry McGinnis and Blade Summer. Steven Tetsuo and Jackie Wallace. Hey, looks a little Jared like you, McGinnis. Chelsea Cunningham. <laughs> Careful, Jordan Dana. Blaine you gotta Alexa make Winters. sure to support his head. Howard, Adam that's Stephen all it is, is a head. So, you wanna hold it? Huh? Corey oh, sure. Cavalieri and Ruth Waits. Each of your egg babies has a built-in computer which registers the amount of care or lack of care it's given. These readings will determine your grades. And then we see that uh, Max is actually paired up with... uh, Uh, Nelson. Nelson, that's right. Uh, Max gets paired up with Nelson. So it's sort of an odd couple theme going here throughout the uh, the the episode as to the couples. And we see right off the bat that Howard is a very overbearing, overprotective parent, not wanting uh, Dana to 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 forget to support the head of the egg baby. And there's some jokes about uh, the, the egg baby just being a head basically at that point. So uh, Howard is very overprotective. Uh, Max and Nelson work out a deal where, where Max does all of Nelson's homework in exchange for not having to care for the baby at all. And uh, for the second week in a row, uh, this time with uh, gender roles perhaps reversed, we get a deadbeat parent featured on this episode. And that is Blade who basically drops <laughs> in a very, uh, st- in a very uh, stereotypical deadbeat beat parent way drops literally drops the kid off at terry's door the egg baby and says that uh, she didn't realize how much work it was going to be and she has other things that she wants to do leaving terry holding the bag uh literally so uh from that point on uh, terry decides that he has to take the egg baby with him and uh and comedy continues to ensue as as terry uh carries the baby in the Batmobile uh, towards his first interaction with Ma Mayhem and her two sons. My instruments say you're only doing 180. Is there a problem? Uh, she's feeling a little sluggish tonight. Didn't want to push it. (laughs) What was that? Nothing. The ruby earrings from the set are part of an estate sale tomorrow. You sure called this one right. 
What's going on there? Is that a baby? Um, you brought a baby with you? It's not what you think, really. Terry, is there something you need to tell me? It's not a child. It's... Turn on your vid link. See? It's not a real baby. Why am I not reassured? Yeah, that's... Uh, and that is sort of... That's kind of just how the rest of the episode goes. It's, it's a series of... Uh, Terry is is dealing with his Batman responsibilities and, and also dealing with... Uh, with with uh, mom mayhem and her and her kids and sort of trying to to balance that out and uh, you know they have this this first this first sort of scuffle where where terry runs afoul of uh of uh, of carl the sort of larger seems maybe like he has some some enhanced strength it's not really ever talked about uh any specifics of of why uh the uh, or if this is a metahuman or just you know a big strong dude but uh, but yeah, they they have a brief fight, and it's sort of just that constant barrage of, of Terry having to balance. Uh, you know, the, the baby almost falls off the ledge, and Terry catches it, but then you know he's got a gun trained on him. So it's we have a lot of that sort of a uh, that uh, that situational, uh, sometimes played for like serious suspense in the episode, and sometimes played more for uh, for sort of light lighter comedy throughout that. But we we get some some fun beats with that, and then. Uh, a little bit later, after a uh, a pretty humorous scene where all of the the egg dads are are hanging out on the bench at school, uh, discussing their various uh, trials and tribulations <laughs> with, with with their egg babies. Something's wrong. He's not eating. Why isn't he eating? Maybe because you're trying to feed him through his nose. Oh, does yours say anything yet? I swear, I heard little Howie say, "Papa." I mean, it sounded like Papa. It'll be a long time before I'll be wanting anyone to call me that. It's not so bad, McGinnis. Really. Here's the bio and civics. Thanks, hon. How about the math? It's coming. Stop nagging. I get it. You're doing his homework so you don't have to take care of the baby. We opted for the traditional marriage. One breadwinner, one homemaker. Beats algebra. Come on, Howard. You promised I could have him for a while. Okay, but he just ate, so he's gonna be a little fussy. And keep him covered? I thought I heard a bit of a sneeze before, and... Howard! You get the, a pretty fun scene, and a lot of this we'll, we'll probably go into more detail on in visual, uh, but we get to a, an interesting scene as the uh, as Ma Mayhem and her boys go to the Museum of Fashion, and, and we, uh, by this point in the episode, are sort of uh, beginning to understand that she isn't really going after just she's not just trying to get rich she's trying to steal these very specific uh diamonds and jewels that she uh that she stole in her her very first heist uh as we come to find out in the episode yeah so there's uh, an allusion to her and her husband well husband at the time were apparently in cahoots and did some sort of a crime wave together and she recounts to her two sons that the reason that they're after these rubies only is because uh, they were the original original uh, scores from their original uh, original heist and they promised that they would never ever fence them. So she's sort of recollecting them. And there's some, uh, there's some allusion to perhaps their relationship didn't quite, quite go the way that uh, mom mayhem <laughs> would have wanted it to as, as, uh, as Carl alludes to the fact that her husband is not dead, but in fact has run off with somebody else's 
and uh, is stopped short with a slap to the face before he's able to name who it is that he's run off with. But we uh, we learn that this is more of just her sort of reliving her her golden years, as it were, and she's uh, aging, but uh, still looking to relive her youth. And uh, they decide, as you said, they're going to this uh, Museum of Fashion. Terry shows up and uh, he uh, arrives just in time and he, he places the egg baby in what looks like a little corner of a little space on the roof and heads into the, the museum, gets into a, uh, into a rather large, interesting fight, again, that we'll talk about probably in visuals because it's very visually interesting. And then uh, as Ma Mayhem and her two boys escape, it turns out that, the, that, their, uh, <laughs> that their, their car, their flying car was actually camouflaged on the roof and uh, Terry has mistakenly kind of put his uh, egg baby in the the back part of this uh, of this this car. So uh, wouldn't you know it? it he, he has to try and figure out how he's going to track them as they've sped away. And Bruce recounts the fact that the baby is crying or cries a lot and uh, and is computerized. So determines that there must be some sort of signal being given off when the when the egg baby cries. And uh, Terry, following his lead, decides they're going to track the, the egg baby's tears using the Batmobile itself. Uh, and that begins to work. But in the meantime, uh, Mom Mayhem and her two sons are celebrating their, their winnings. And, and she's recounting uh, her past days to her sons. And when all of a sudden they begin to hear this, this uh, cry, this shrill cry, and as they go to investigate, stumble upon the baby. And uh, both of the sons are, are trying their best to make it to stop cry, uh, <laughs> poking it in the face and shaking it. Ma Mayhem says uh, that she'll gladly take it off their hands. She takes it. She said it reminds them very much of when uh, they were baby and then promptly <laughs> says, get rid of it. <laughs> uh, so at that point, Carl, who uh, good for Carl, it seems like he has a decent heart. He said that maybe they could sell it or get some money for it is reluctant to throw it off. And that allows Terry to uh, to see that he's about to drop it off of the out of this window and swoop in and, and sort of rescue it before uh, flying up with a backpack containing said egg baby uh, to sort of face off against the uh, mom mayhem and her two kids for a, uh, a final bout. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of the rest of our episode. We have a, a pretty fun fight scene, which we'll, this is becoming a theme. We'll talk more about in visuals, but Terry sort of, uh, you know, uses some, some clever, more, I would say more classic Batman tactics to sort of, split up the three and, and sort of takes them down one by one and uses some stealth and, and everything. And of course, all the while ha having the, the, the comedy of having the egg in, in, in the, uh, in the backpack, uh, trying to, uh, trying to, uh, you know, keep that happy and the, the, you know, the, ba the baby cooing and, and laughing as, as he's, you know, first he's, uh, you know, attaches a rope to their uh, their floating their floating car that they're getting away in their floating El Camino, and uh, and they're uh, and they're sort of swinging through the city and getting all knocked around, and, and then finally he's able to slash their fuel line, and that causes them to touch down, and then we get a, a pretty fun sequence, which we will definitely talk more about in a minute. But uh, yeah, that's that's sort of the ending. There is as Terry uh, is able to stop the the two boys, and then faces off with Ma herself briefly before uh, she tumbles over the ledge and he's able to catch her, but uh, her, her purse containing all of the jewels uh, 
uh, opens and she does in fact lose all of those gems that she had collected. So, uh, you know, no, no, uh, no happy ending for the, uh, for the villain of the piece. And then we kind of get like a, uh, a nice, again, very, a very sitcom ending to this, which is uh, everybody in the class is basically told they're going to get a C because they did all of the sort of basic stuff but none of them really stimulated their baby really like kept their kept their attention beyond just the the feedings and the changings and all of that except for Terry and Blade's baby According to this data most of you did borderline jobs as parents mainly C's But Miss Pinto Yes Howard you and Dana fed yours and rocked it and gave it plenty of nap time but a baby needs more than that its mind needs to be stimulated too and according to this printout, only one baby was fully stimulated, the one belonging to Terry and Blade. Congratulations, Mr. McGinnis. Who knew you turned out to be such ideal father material? <laughs> uh, and so Terry does, in fact, get his A, his greatest saved. And, uh, and the, his teacher remarks that, she, that, uh, that he might just be a good father himself one day. And that's sort of, uh, that's sort of where we leave it. Um, so yeah, getting into I guess big picture thoughts here on it on it all. Uh, so this episode is written by I think it's it's written by Hillary Bader. It's a story. The story credits are Hillary and uh, and Alan Burnett. And I feel like between this and some of the more recent Superman episodes we reviewed last month, I feel like I'm starting to get a sense of like the co- the comedy brain, the comedy writer brain of Hillary Bader in some mm-hmm. of these episodes. Mm-hmm. like in the same way that maybe when we see a Paul Dini episode that's a little lighter and comedic, you can go, oh yeah, that's that's definitely a joke that would be in a Paul Dini cartoon. I feel like I'm starting to get that feeling for for Miss Bader's writing as well here. I had a lot of fun with this episode. Like it is, it is very silly. And like we said, it's a very classic like sitcom trope of the kid has to take care of not a real baby, but learn the responsibility of caring for a baby. And it is silly, but, and, and they, and they mention that, uh, and uh, I, they actually do uh, on the Blu-ray, there's, there's a commentary track for this. I think it might've actually come from the, the original DVD release, but uh, Bruce Tim and, and Glenn Murakami and James Tucker talked about it. And that was that because their shows were generally more serious and a little darker and, and, and sort of geared to be, you know, to be enjoyed by both kids and adults, they sometimes didn't get nominated and they very rarely won. So they thought, well, let's take a crack at like a very light, very, very kid-friendly plot that has a lot of humor in it. And let's just see what happens. And as we mentioned, this episode did in fact win a Daytime Emmy Award for, uh, you know, outstanding uh, children's programming. So yeah, it was a it was a swing and it was a, a deep fly ball to left field. Like it was a, it was they they hit they hit their home run is yeah. what they were attempting to do. And I, I think it, it worked because it sort of has a very consistent tone throughout it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said is uh, for the most part, Batman Beyond was darker and it, that was intentional. You're dealing with, yes, you're dealing with a, a teenage Batman, but if you make it too too goofy and too, the tone too different than what we had been used to with the original Batman, the animated series, I think you would have alienated some of the fans. And certainly uh, that was never never the plan for, for Bruce Tim. They always wanted to keep it more uh keep it away from the adam west style and the goofiness of the of the batman 66 that was that was their goal 
So keeping the tone the same as it was for Batman, the animated series was important. And there were some more lighthearted moments and lighthearted episodes, certainly throughout Batman, the animated series and Superman, as we've discussed, but they were, they were the exception rather than the rules. So uh, mm-hmm. they, I think Batman beyond did a good job of following suit with that. However, that when you have those episodes and those opportunities to do something a little bit goofier or a little bit less dark and serious, like we've talked about, you know, one of our favorite episodes of Batman Beyond is Terry's friend dates a robot. And mm-hmm. that whole episode is a is a very lighthearted, goofy take uh, on on a Batman story. So the fact that this one also has a very similar, uh, similar outlook and a cer- similar tone is is a nice break, I think, especially when you look at some of the episodes that we covered the last time we did Batman Beyond, some of the heavier, darker themes that started kind of creeping in here in, in the end of the second season. So um, I think I think it, it's welcomed. I think that the, tonally that it works. Uh, it certainly fits into that. Uh, this is this is about a teenage Batman. This is something that, okay, he has to, It's it feels very Spider-Man, which is what, you know, this whole, whole series mm-hmm. tended to be inspired by a lot you know he's got a he's got a balance doing his homework while also being you know a, a superhero he's got to stop crime while also you know making sure that he gets his grades in, in school uh it's it's a it's a not an original trope but it it works very well here with this idea of him having to protect a a surrogate stand-in child type character so um it gives you a different side not only of terry it gives you a a more comedic side of bruce Mm -hmm. who's kind of having to almost bite his tongue throughout the entire episode um there's some great interactions like i said between terry and bruce where uh you know at one point terry is uh bruce bruce asks why he couldn't get why terry couldn't get his mom or his brother to watch the egg and uh, terry recounts uh, why he why he couldn't his mom said that she was too old to be a grandmother and matt was shooting rubber bands at him and then, uh, then terry kind of looks at him out of the corner of his eye and said as if to ask him and asks him well maybe you could and stop short as bruce just sort of gives him the death stare uh, as he's about to suggest <laughs> that bruce maybe watch this egg baby so uh very 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 funny um i, I it's it's a very well-written episode it's it's very it the tone sticks throughout it does not feel odd it feels like a little little detour away from maybe what we're used to but it's a you know it's a happy detour it's a happy little break on this serious dark road that we tend to be on a lot so uh for all those reasons i actually ended up giving a plot nine uh nine out of ten i love it yeah i'm uh, i'm right in that same ballpark i went eight out of ten i just i think it's a really fun plot i think and you even have even though this is a very light and silly episode there is like a little bit of a contrast too of Terry's learning to be a good parent and take care of this this you know not a not a baby and we're we're sort of seeing the contrast of mom mayhem and her two adult her two large adult sons and their and and how poorly she treats most of them there's like a there's a I wouldn't even call it a subplot but there's a there's a couple moments during their their heists where where she and uh, and her son slim are sort of arguing and you know he's talking about there's so many more valuables we could be stealing and then he's he's arguing with her because at one point they just break open a display case without checking if there's an alarm first. And you know, as, as you mentioned, she's sort of physically abusive to them when they when uh, when Carl mentions their father. Um, so it's it is there is even like a little bit of like 
you know, comedic con contrast of the story of, of Terry learning to be a good parent while we see, you know, the worst example of uh, the, you could imagine of being a parent. And then you just sort of blow that up to a, you know, a, a silly superhero cartoon and super villain cartoon uh, style. And yeah, it, it works great. It's a, it's a really fun, easy to watch 22 minutes. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, definitely a fun one. And it'll be interesting once we get to the end here. I Spoiler alert, this might be one that we recommend for a rewatch. So uh, tune in and keep, keep listening uh, to the end of this episode to find out our recommendations. But let's move on to our next category for the day, Liam. That is going to be uh, visual and animation. We talked a lot about this in plot. So I, uh, I have a, a great expectation for a lot to discuss here when it comes to that. So let's jump right into it. What did you, uh, what, what did you like and what stuck out to you as far as visuals and animation? Well, yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, we have a lot of, of sort of, I guess, cameos, you would call them, of, of characters that we've seen in previous episodes. Not most of them don't talk. Obviously, we've already mentioned the, uh, the returning Howard Groot from Terry's Friend Dates a Robot. We also see Jackie Wallace from Earth Mover. We see Adam Stepnick from The Last Resort. And uh, interestingly, and I think we talked about this last time we reviewed Beyond, we sort of discovered... Uh, that the that the Blu-ray and DVD release actually goes by the uh, airing dates rather than the production dates. So we actually see a character who hasn't yet appeared, but will in a future episode called uh, Centuries of the Last Cosmos, uh, named uh, Corey, I believe that character's name is. So we, we get them as well as, of course, we get, as you mentioned, we have Blade, we have uh, Max and, and Nelson Nash, and, and of course, Dana and... Yeah, so it's you get you get like the full the full Hamilton Hill High gang is uh, is present in this episode pretty much, and uh, beyond that, uh, the I think the most interesting thing maybe to talk about is the the design of Ma herself as well as her uh, her kids. Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, I think so. Slim actually reminded me. I didn't I didn't see this anywhere. Certainly not on the DCAU wiki, and certainly not anywhere else. But definitely cosplaying as a Ghostbuster, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. The 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 sort of the the khaki colored suit and the and I mean it's it's a sandblaster, but it's the you know the big pack on his back with the with sort of the leaf blower type uh, projectiles and, uh, and proton pack stand-in mm -hmm, and the, and the big goggles on his, on his face. Yeah, for sure. I had, I had not really thought about that until you say it, but yeah, that's definitely a, a light bulb thing as well, as well. And, uh, and then, yeah, we have, uh, uh, we have Carl, who's just sort of this, a, a bigger sort of brutish guy. Um, but uh, Ma herself, uh, again, I, I listened to the, uh, the commentary track, as I mentioned, and, James Tucker talked about in her design. They had sort of the idea of it at first and, and they talked about uh, Bruce Tim and he sort of went back and forth on some ideas uh, and, and they sort of settled on that she should be sort of a Batman Beyond or a DCAU version of a Dick Tracy villain, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, which James Tucker was a big fan of. And then that sort of mixed with a, a specific uh, who else but Jack Kirby influenced uh, creation? That being uh, from the Losers, they, they had a, vi a villain called Panama Fatty in the uh, in in the original uh, Losers series the, that she's also sort of based on. But uh, and then uh, beyond that, uh, James Tucker also said he sort of uh, when it came to actually sort of boarding and and directing the action of the episode, uh, he actually mentioned in the script 
the uh, the sort of final fight between Ma and Batman wasn't in the original uh, script, but when he when he sort of had that design, he sort of the light bulb went off that oh this this can be like Terry's kingpin. This can be she's kingpin in a dress almost like it's this big thick you know wall of a of a person, but they're actually very strong and formidable in a fight. And we kind of see that a couple times throughout the episode. She she's uh, she's quite physical in her in the in the fights with Batman. She's not leaving it up to just her her sons to do the dirty work. Yeah, she, it's it's interesting. There's no it, it as we mentioned at the beginning. There there's a line that seems like Bruce is familiar with her in some way. So that we don't exactly know how old she is. Perhaps it was in the later stages of Bruce's time as Batman that she and her husband were running afoot in Gotham. Uh, it's it's also funny when when Terry mentions the alliteration of her name, he makes a he makes a comment about that. And Bruce said that the tabloids it was the golden age for tabloids naming people with the same. <laughs> alliteration uh so that that was pretty that was a pretty pretty funny line as well but yeah uh her 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 get up a pink dress and a pink hat and high heels i was i was thinking i was like she does nothing to try and sort of disguise herself or hide and they mentioned that she had just gotten out of out of prison so there was you know she's not really that hard to miss i do definitely see the the comparison between her her and kingpin there's a the, the final scene the final fight between them terry sort of rolling around on the ground and there's a there's a spot where she she drops her foot it looks like it's going to smash the egg and terry rolls out of the way just in time before her foot comes down and it sort of cracks through the roof that they're standing on so uh yeah she definitely has a a heaviness about her about the character and she's definitely not afraid to backhand uh people as she backhands her sons at least once or twice in the episode i believe and <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's definitely something to her. It's interesting. She's also, uh, this is her one and only appearance or their only appearance in, in the, uh, the series itself, but they did also get featured in the Batman Beyond tie-in comic in uh, Batman Beyond number 19, uh, which you can find on the DC universe app, or I'm sure if you go to your local comic book shop, even better find their back issues, you might be able to snag that one. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame that they're not featured more because it's an interesting little little group of group of villains there and foils and certainly a physical challenge to to Terry is is always interesting to watch but I think some of the the visuals that stood out for me included uh, at least in the initial fight between Terry and and Carl on the rooftop when he is sent up there by Ma at the beginning as she hears the baby cries and gives Terry's location away. Uh, Terry has to sort of run away as this, he's firing this weapon at him and he's jumping along these pipes that are up against the wall. And uh, there's a couple of great visuals there. I think we get another a great shot inside the Batmobile as Terry's, Terry's flying. Bruce questions why he's not flying at full speed as this is before he's revealed that he has this egg mm -hmm. baby with him. And uh, there's a great shot of inside the cockpit. Um, I think, uh, I think we also get introduction of some, some new, new weapons for Terry here as we, we get some very distinct looking bat gas bombs that are used in that final scene, as you mentioned, is uh, a very classic Batman-esque setup for what eventually happens and how he sort of foils both Carl and Slim. Yeah, Terry once again forgot that he can just turn invisible, but so he <laughs> used gas instead. But uh, no, yes, yeah, so that, that is pretty fun. Yeah, the, it's kind of a cool design. It's not just like a lot of times it would just be like this sort of shiny black ball that 
we would see Batman throw in the original animated series, but here it's they have like not only do they have like little bat wings on the side of them, but they also have like these sharp points that they all sort of so they're all sort of thrown down by by Terry and they all sort of stick into the ground around the uh, the three of them and then the gas sort of sprays up and creates this green fog and you sort of see the 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 two boys uh, Slim and Carl both sort of fade into just silhouettes and then uh, you know sort of, we see Carl sort of looking around and we see the bad ears behind him and then we we cut back to Slim who fires the sandblaster and. And when he uh, when it sort of revealed what he hit, he actually hit his brother and tore off most of his clothes uh, <laughs> to to reveal the classic uh, hearts on the underwear. Uh, uh, you know, a cartoon a cartoon staple for sure. Uh, going back to you know the Tex Avery era, but uh, yeah, that's that that's a really fun sequence. Uh, again, a very classic Batman thing there. And as you mentioned, that that sort of final fight with uh with with monetary it's it's very physical and you do really get the sense that she could really she could really mess him up and they do this really dramatic uh this moment where she's swinging her purse at him and they actually go into slow motion and and terry cuts the straps off of the purse and then then we see ma uh, jump off the building after them and we sort of follow her down uh, and as, as she cra- as she uh, grabs hold of her purse and then is is caught by the bat rope and and we see Terry struggling to hold her up and and then sort of him wrapping the uh, the the rope around like a, a chimney or, or or some sort of support on the, on on the roof. There's a that whole sequence is uh, is is pretty is pretty darn fun and uh, I think we would be remiss not to mention also the the one other scene that I think we have to talk about it earlier as we mentioned they go to the museum of fashion and it's a cool setup a lot of cool backgrounds uh, overall but they're uh, in addition to a pretty fun fight sequence we also have uh, a pretty a pretty overt uh, uh, cameo if you will from one of the mannequins that's right uh, so as you mentioned it's this museum of fashion and they're they're kind of set up and different different eras it looks like possibly uh, perhaps 30s and 40s get up or maybe just you know batman whatever 30 50, 30 to 50 years before this series takes <laughs> place you know whenever that series takes place um whatever that is uh it's um there are different eras and there's you know a a singer with some some dancing girls and there's a couple of 30s and and 20s-esque looking setups but uh, as the camera pans past one shot that this that this uh, sandblaster is as he's trying to hit batman it pans past a a mannequin as you mentioned dressed in a uh, trench coat and fedora not wearing a uh, a, a dark blue with yellow shirt but this is probably this is definitely definitely not probably definitely pre-justice league design uh, for that character happens to look a little bit like one victor sage aka the question if you ask me yeah that's a great a great bit there's yeah terry sort of avoiding this as we mentioned this sort of a ghostbusters sandblaster and you know, we've seen different display cases and stuff getting getting wrecked as, as Terry's sort of, uh, you know, acro- doing a, you know, doing his best acrobatics to get out of the way. And then, yes, he, he hops over uh, a, a, a mannequin that has no no discernible facial features and happens to be wearing a, a blue trench coat and fedora. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great that was a great little uh, reference in there. You know, they had to get one. Uh, Again, we have we have the Jack Kirby homage in the 
in the design for Mob Mayhem. And then, of course, we had to have a Steve Ditko homage somewhere in here, too. So we got that one for the question there. So, yeah, uh, overall, I think, it, and again, it was interesting listening to uh, the commentary track as both uh, you know, Bruce Tim and, and James Tucker and, and Glenn Murakami all mentioned that they felt that the animation was, was not super fluid in this episode and, and that they felt that it kind of let it down. That's, they were glad that it was so heavily reliant on, on the comedy um, but I, I, and I, and I'm certainly not one to disagree and maybe I just need to kind of get my eyes recalibrated to this particular series, but, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun, like I said, so, so many fun, just from a visual standpoint of Terry running around with this egg. And there's, there's a great shot as, as you mentioned, as, as Carl's about to drop the baby out the window, uh, we cut to, you know, the, the POV shot of sort of up inside the cow. So we sort of see this this red uh, sort of binocular vision as he's, he's sort of spying on them, uh, Batman sort of spying on, on the gang before he, he breaks in to make the save. And then of course, uh, a, maybe the most gift moment of all Batman Beyond episodes, which is him catching the egg flying up. And then the, the, <laughs> the egg baby winks and, and Batman has his tongue sticking out. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a maybe the most memorable and notable shot uh, from this episode. I, I feel like it was used in several different uh, different promotions, not only for this episode, but then later Kids WB promotions. But yeah, there's a there's a lot even uh, in that additionally in that Museum of Fashion scene, they could not avoid using the famous Batman trope of using giant objects as at one point Batman is hurled into a into a stack of giant shoes uh, that collapse on top of him. <laughs> so there's lots of great visuals to be had in this episode. I think, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, maybe the animation was a little choppy at points. Uh, I don't know how much of that could have been the HBO app, but when I watched it, it did feel a little less smooth than prior Batman Beyond episodes. So it's interesting that they, the, the directors also felt like that maybe and storyboard artists had, had felt like they had been let down a little bit by this episode. So very interesting that, but I, I think for, if you were to describe this to me and in, in that your, your main villain is a uh, lady, a lady in a pink dress with her two sons and uh, going up against Batman, carrying a giant egg around, I'd say, boy, that doesn't sound like a lot of visuals or interesting, interesting <laughs> animation to be in this episode. Uh, but I think it was pleasantly surprising uh, to, to get as much as we did. Um, and it's enjoyable. So for all those reasons, I ended up giving visuals and animation an eight out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I, I gave it the exact same score. Uh, the only other visual that I'll mention is there's kind of two moments. One, when they're first, when they're escaping Batman in the, uh, the blue El Camino uh, hover car. And they have the the egg baby in in the back seat, and, and Batman's kind of trying to give chase, but uh, but can't keep up. There's sort of a, a really cool shot. They do a very good job of animating the buildings around them, uh, so you know that feels like a good high speed, uh, you know, frantic chase moment. And then you kind of get a similar moment later on as they try to make an escape again once he finds them, and he again he attaches the the rope to the back of the. To the car and he's sort of being pulled along and and at one point he's kind of skating across the highway and then is sort of being dragged almost face first through the uh through the streets of of gotham there's some really good uh good stuff and whether whether or not it was just a you know a trick of 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 how of, i'm always impressed when when it's uh when it's not just the the characters 
or even the vehicles that are fully animated, but also the buildings themselves kind of giving it that extra sort of speed to it as, as they're sort of flying by very quickly. I always, I'm always impressed by that, by that trick. So yeah, overall, uh, maybe not, maybe not the, the greatest episode from visuals, but still a lot of fun stuff. And, and again, I think purely from a design point, uh, Ma and her boys are a lot of fun. So lots of, lots of good stuff to be had here. I agree. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. I'm not going to lie, not a ton stood out for me for music this week. I think the only real notes that I had, there's there's a lot of our, our classic Batman Beyond. We have uh, synthesizers and some drums and uh, electric guitars in the background. Uh, to me, I think the, the most unique piece came in that final fight scene between Batman and Ma Mayhem is he's sort of rolling around trying to avoid her. There's uh, there's a part that, that uh, on top of our normal synth and guitar, we sort of have the slam the piano uh, to create <laughs> tension uh, in yeah. the scene moment where you're just kind of plunking around on the piano and that uh, juxtaposed against the, the, the normal synthesizer and, and the deep bass that we have and we're used to and the, the electric guitar, I think, made that stand out as a very unique piece. Certainly not something that's necessarily memorable or hummable, but at least I think it stuck out enough. And uh, the rest of the episode, I feel like was scored pretty well with lots of uh, back to back to this synthesizer electric guitar that we've uh, we've come to know and love from from Batman Beyond. What did you have when it came to uh, music notes? Yeah, I didn't I didn't have a ton either other than yes, I think I think the the fight music during the the museum fight scene is is pretty fun and and fast paced we don't uh you would you would think this would be a moment to maybe bring in some more of that classic you know the strings and stuff we're more used to in the in the more comedic moments but uh again some maybe some of those those conversations that terry and bruce are having uh back and forth but yeah they they keep it pretty much uh, traditional, uh, traditional for Batman Beyond uh, style music with the with the the guitar and, and the synthesizer and, and the and the fast bass drums for a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I did also make note of that uh, that that final fight scene and the very dramatic uh, piano as basically every time she takes a, she's trying to stomp on him. Uh, I thought that was that was that was clever and to sort of lay that on top of the existing uh uh sort of fast-paced fight music to just give it that extra little punctuation i thought was pretty clever but yeah overall nothing nothing wrong with the music this week nothing nothing super spectacular either for me and uh, i settled on a six out of ten for music right oh we're on the same wavelength as we tend to be here as i also gave music <laughs> a six out of ten uh, you know, uh, we've we've heard some episodes where the music stands out for for a specific reason. I don't think this episode necessarily necessarily called for a unique theme. We have a lot of sound effects. The baby, the egg baby, makes a lot of noise throughout <laughs> the episode. So, you know, not not spending time on a a specific score that that would necessarily be lost in the amount of noise and sound effects and stuff. I, I think makes sense, but. Yeah, just uh, just not nothing offensive and and above, uh, I guess a little bit above average for the music for this week. Yeah, All right. absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, let's move to our final category this week, which of course is as always voice acting we know we have quite a large cast to cover this week with all of our extra characters thrown in there as well as a few familiar voices that we'll hear 
and uh, and our villains. But uh, let's talk about this week's voice actors, actresses. That's right. So we uh, we do have Melissa Disney as Blade very briefly. Um, uh, her, I believe, her last Blade's last speaking appearance in the series, believe it or not. But uh, uh, she has she has some legitimately funny lines. Like she only has a few lines in this episode. But her interactions with, and we'll, we'll get to obviously the main event being uh, Batman, but uh, for the, for this Batman show, but uh, but her interactions with Terry in this episode are were I thought pretty fun, and certainly contrasting them with like, the very matter of fact way that uh, Nelson and Max Cree Summer and Seth Green, of course, you know, have sort of set up their their arrangement to uh, you know to to take care of the egg, and then of course. Uh, we we have Lauren Thomas, Dana, and uh, and Max Brooks returning as Howard, and uh, there that that might be some of my not surprisingly perhaps given our love of of Terry's friend dates a robot, and and the Howard character, but uh, his his over over parenting of the egg and you know lecturing Dana on how to take care of it and and Dana sort of arguing with him like hey you said I could look after it for a little while and again sort of contrasting them sort of almost arguing over who's going to take care of it with Terry sort of being forced to take care of it the entire time is uh, I think there's a there's a lot of fun from our sort of side uh, high school characters this week. Yeah I, I, I think that uh, they each play their their little roles. Howard I think still near and dear and and just wish there was more Howard in, in Batman Beyond. That's all I can say. He, him being the overbearing, like scared parent and getting the realization at the end as they're handing out the grades that uh, his his reluctance to do very much that could possibly upset or irritate and his 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 imagination running wild that not only did he think that he heard his egg which he has dubbed little howie by the way <laughs> say his name but at one point might be catching a cold was was just great very humorous delivered perfectly uh by him so yeah the the extra characters that were thrown in there which wasn't necessary you didn't need to have all these little little ancillary characters come in here and and but mr brooks i think uh was definitely definitely it continued to endear himself and it's it's interesting i think this was the commentary you mentioned where uh he mentioned the story that we talked about on our last episode where he he overheard overheard bruce tim at one point talking about a movie that he didn't like and it was just after mr brooks had delivered his performance and he assigned it to the same he thought that bruce tim was talking about him so he assumed that his performance was bad and then he wouldn't be back so uh the fact that they brought him back in and and sort of cleared up that misconception and uh he ga- gave a heck of a performance here it's just <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a really fun story of uh, them of uh andrea romano was also on the commentary track and she she mentions them sort of contacting uh, his agent to try to get him to come in for this for this second episode and and the agent being very confused and 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 thinking they didn't they they must not really want him back and and uh, and that that sort of that sort of really funny miscommunication. But yeah, he's he's very funny. It's only it's only kind of two scenes that he's in, uh, but yeah, he and in uh, and a little bit of uh, Lauren Thomas Dana in this episode, very very funny and uh, an enjoyable an enjoyable there. It's funny because when you have the a plot so much comedy you might not think that you also want your your b plot to be so comedic but that's that's really like a really nice fun couple of uh, breaks 
scenes for the rest of the episode that mostly fo- focuses on Terry. But uh, we have our, our main villains of the piece here. We have uh, Mark Rolston as Carl, who folks might know from uh, movies like Shawshank Redemption or Aliens. Uh, doesn't He gets the least to do of our bad guys. Uh, he's kind of just set up to be a little bit of a, a dumb a dumb guy a brute but uh, I, I again I, I his 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 bouncing off of uh, especially Kathleen Freeman uh, who folks would know from a lot of stuff because she did a lot of work throughout the you know the, the 50s and 60s and 70s and all the way into uh, when when she passed away in the early 2000s but uh, specifically she, you might know her from Blues Brothers she was actually on an episode of the Adam West Batman show oh wow uh, in in the uh, in 1966 so or actually it probably would have been the I believe it was the third season because it involved the episode involved King Tut so uh, it would have been probably a couple of years later but yeah she was uh, she was just around a lot of a lot of again guest stars on one or two episodes of a, of a lot of sitcoms and, and shows throughout the uh, the 60s and 70s and 80s so uh but her, that that back and forth between them especially when they're in the hideout and and she's talking you know sort of opining about this first heist that she went on with their father and and he cuts her off to remind her that their that their dad isn't dead and that he just <laughs> left her uh, is is really quite tremendous and i i I think Kathleen Freeman is, she's so great in this role as this, 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 uh, this really over the top silly super villain, but her performance really just matches that design perfectly. Yeah, it, she, her, her vocal performance is fantastic. It, it definitely matches the look of the character. It's very believable. Uh, she's very, she has, she's, she's not supposed to be an amusing character, but there's some comedy to the, the delivery and the fact that she's not interested in really robbing a bunch of places and just compiling of a whole bunch of of heists she's literally only after these individual rubies that aren't aren't worth very much um so you know her her lines her interactions with her kids which is most of what what the her dialogue is is done really well and she has i mean she has chemistry uh with both actors that played her son pretty well also um and there's just some natural comedic I think timing and the way that she delivers her lines that comes out is just subtly comedic uh, for a character that doesn't know that they're sort of a laughing stock. So I, I I appreciated her performance. I think she's fantastic, and I think uh, I think think the other the other actors that we have to talk about too did a fairly good job as well. Yeah. So as, as far as our villains, we of course have the uh, probably maybe the biggest name and the most famous name to folks listening to this. Uh, that would be Andy Dick is playing uh, Slim, the, uh, the the Ghostbusters inspired son, uh, who sort of has this again. He's sort of constantly complaining to uh, that that Ma isn't interested in taking you know taking more money or or taking some of the other valuables at their heists and sort of argues with her and is sort of constantly being berated and shouted down. But Andy Dick is an interesting that. I have known who this guy is since I was like nine, but I couldn't name you like three things he was in without looking at his IMDb page. Yeah, he's one of those guys who is, I think he was always just, he played minor roles in various different sitcoms. He would pop in to do guest spots and guest stars. He may have had a reoccurring role in some ABC sitcom. I feel like he was like the second fiddle or like the sidekick in maybe the 
Uh, what mm. was one? What is it? Was it the sitcom that Michael J. Fox was in, where he played Spin City or something like that? Was he on that? I feel like. I feel like he. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I'm. I, <laughs> yeah, I mostly remember him. I think more than anything from like the, uh, the VH1 like best week ever and. Uh, like I love the eighties and I love the nineties and all yeah. of those shows where they would just, you know, interview vaguely famous people about things that were happening in pop culture, either each week, or, or they would do sort of these special episodes where they would like cover, you know, all the years of a decade in pop culture. And he was always a talking head on, on all of those. And then I think, yeah, he's like, he sort of, I think, came around like maybe like 10 or 15 years too earlier because he he would be he like he's he's such like a meme actor. Right. Before before meme before internet memes were really a thing. Uh like yeah, that that's so he maybe maybe he uh, he he peaked too early. But yeah, seeing that name in the credits, I was like, well, that's very random, but <laughs> electrostatic tumblers, intermittent timer. Hmm. I think a magno bomb should do the job. A magno bomb? What are you trying to do? Blow up the whole house? Again with the criticism? Look, it's not like this is the first time I've blown up a safe. No, but it would be the first time you've done it right. You know, other mothers might show a little confidence in their children. Other mothers might... Just do it. Goggles. But hey, that's yeah. Like, like you said, he just kind of popped up in things for a one episode or a, a bit part in a movie here and there, and and that was kind of his uh, his lot in in in, uh, in life in the in the '90s and into the two, early 2000s. But uh, yeah, it was it was funny to see him. And, and again, I think he he plays off of uh, Kathleen Freeman pretty well, and that's that's certainly a lot of the, the fun of the episode. But uh, I, I obviously and obviously not surprising because it is in fact uh, their show, but Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne and, uh, and Will Friedle as, uh, as Terry McGinnis slash Batman. Um, so much fun in this episode. And, you know, Will, Will Friedle, probably mo- his most famous live action role is, is a comedic one. And, you know, he was the brother on uh, Boy Meets World. And and yet on this show, as, as we mentioned, even in some of the lighter episodes, I feel he's generally played more of the straight man in them so seeing him like there's so many funny lines like when they're when he and bruce are sort of arguing back and forth and he's like i can't fail this class have you ever taken family studies like he's so it's so kind of over the top his his delivery on some of these really silly lines is so good i've lost him him that's a doll you're talking about not a life it's my life if it's lost i'll have to take family studies again have you ever taken family studies kid's gonna cry till he shuts down. It's cries are computer generated, aren't they? Yeah. So? That would mean the cries would have certain quantifiable digital properties. Then I can set the Batmobile to scan for them, can't I? Uh-huh. Unless they've already made an omelet out of him. Oh, hey! It, it felt like it was a chance for him to flex his his more, maybe in some ways more natural uh, comedic muscles. Absolutely. Yeah, it, they they're great. I and it didn't seem out of character for him to to sort of have this slight almost almost self-awareness of the ridiculousness of what was happening. Like the fact that he's watching this 
this egg computerized egg baby the entire episode and having to fight crime. So there's almost some self-awareness, I feel like, in this episode that they allow him to have, which allows him to kind of deliver that performance is a little bit uh, a, a little bit less serious than you would kind of see it. And it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that he has a, a great foil to go up against in Kevin Conroy and in him taking it very seriously, but him also not being afraid to needle Terry and be, you know, be, be the voice in the background r- reminding him how ridiculous this is right now and how ridiculous it is that he's going to fail family studies and that he's, it's ridiculous that he's trying to save this computer uh, from from being destroyed and at one point even has to remind him hey terry it's not worth your life and that's when terry snaps back saying are you kidding me have you ever taken family studies again uh so it there's there's some great comedy and it doesn't feel unnatural uh for will Fordell to kind of be in this not only in this situation but to have to deliver these lines with a with a little bit of sense of of knowing what how ridiculous it is 100%, 100%. Yes, it's it's not. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a serious performance because it's not a serious episode. And yeah, letting letting those uh, those actors sort of play into that, uh, the, their their comedic uh, chops a little bit more, I think is is a lot of fun. Like I said, I think, yeah, I think Will Friedle's, uh interactions with with Melissa Disney as Blade are great. Uh, his interactions to Kevin Conroy. There's there's a, a great line as, as when he sort of first meets uh Ma and, and she mentioned something uh, about this is getting old, and uh, and he you know he throws a, a great a great quip back at her again a very what you might expect a, a Spider Man to to say so there's a, there's some great uh, there's some great quips for between him and, and the villains as well so just all around uh, you know a great episode like we said the villains are really strong and then you have a it all anchored by this really fun and funny. Uh, uh, Will Friedle performance along with Kevin Conroy in the, in the supporting role. Uh, I ended up giving voice acting a very strong nine out of 10. Well, I think you'll be shocked or not shocked to hear. I also gave it the same exact score of <laughs> nine out of 10, Liam, uh, which I guess will bring us to our final scores for this week. So totaling everything up here, I end up with a pretty strong 32 out of 40. What about you? And yes, we only differed in one category. I was one point lower in one of mine. So I end up with a a final score of just a one point difference this week. And I have a 31 out of 40. All right. Well, as I alluded to at the beginning, and if you've listened to our program for any length of time, uh, we for quite a while have been talking about what we termed rewatchability, which is generally an all catch for a would you watch this episode again is this one that you're going to play back over and over again and b is this something that you would recommend if somebody has never seen the dcau uh as as a integral part of either the entire dcau as a whole you need to watch this episode in order to understand something or uh maybe just it is one of the the seminal episodes and, and is a must watch for that so uh liam where do we fall we already talked about it's an emmy award-winning episode it's certainly a different tone than uh we're used to as we've already discussed it's written very well 
Uh, I mean, it has to be written really well if you're going to win an Emmy for it. So generally speaking, they don't just give those out to poorly written or executed episodes. So, uh, but it's in the grand scheme of things, it's also, as we already mentioned, Mom Mayhem and, uh, and Slim and, and Carl don't return. So this isn't as if this plays out any other time. Terry's, as far as we know, we, we haven't found out if Terry is indeed a good father or not. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to reach through the screen and just shake Dana and go, Dana, don't fall for it. He's still <laughs> not good for you. You deserve much better. You don't want to know what he was, what he was doing as a father to, in order to, to, to take care of that child. So uh, <laughs> hashtag Dana deserves better. Um, always. always. So where do you fall, Liam? Is this a must watch? Is this a one thumb up as we tend to give uh, a lot of these episodes or is this a skip it? Yeah, I think this is a, this is probably a one thumb up. I think maybe because of the, of its award winning stature, you can, you can almost bump it up to a thumb, two thumbs up. No, it doesn't have a lot of great uh, continuity significance when it comes to uh, either the characters involved or any of the events of the episode. Um, but uh, but I think just it's fun and it's it's a very memorable episode. And I think sometimes this is one of those ones when people are ranking Batman Beyond episodes. I feel like I see this one equally on worst episode lists and best episode lists. So I think it's like I guess it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit polarizing in that way. But I, I yeah, I quite enjoyed this. And because it's it's so unique, even among other sort of lighter, more comedic episodes that we've reviewed of this series, I think this easily gets at least one thumb up for, for rewatchability. Because I, I do think it's a it's an important moment in the series and, and kind of a, a big a big change up from from what we're used to with the series. So I give it a thumbs up for that, if nothing else. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think it's hard because we kind of use this, like we, like I said, as a catch-all. You know, it's not, it's not integral to the DCAU as a whole. But as far as Batman Beyond is concerned, it is a break from the norm. It gives you a, a, a funnier side of Terry. It's a, it's a teen high school drama episode that doesn't feel like a bad WB sitcom, like or CW sitcom. Um, it, it's a little bit more lighthearted. There's some good action in it. So yeah, I, I guess, I guess one thumb up, leaning towards a second thumb, maybe one and a half, one and a half thumbs up. I guess maybe on this. Um, is what I would say because it's it is a lot of fun and it is certainly an episode that you're going to want to watch regardless because as you said it, it tends to be a pretty divisive one it's one that some people love and other people just absolutely despise so um, I, I think it's I think it's important that to watch it and come up with your own uh, decision of what whether or not you like this episode and uh, if you do if you have never watched this episode and maybe you uh, are going to watch it right after this or you, you watched it for the first time in a while we would certainly love to hear your feedback so you can tweet us at DCAU review on Twitter you can also hit us up on our Instagram page at DCAU review comment or send us a message on there we'd uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts you know is this an episode that you love do you find it uh, too ridiculous for your taste uh, let us know in the in the comments or or tweet us and and uh, continue the conversation for this week's episode. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely interesting. It'll be interesting to hear people's thoughts. And I think this is another one of those sort of like uh, you know kid stuff or this little piggy or you know some of the other less serious episodes that some people absolutely hate and some people absolutely love. So I'll uh, be interested to hear some feedback this week, Liam. 
absolutely this is definitely one where i, I expect we'll we'll get a good of responses on definitely uh definitely want to hear from everybody well, again whether you like it or you hate it uh, i don't think anybody watches this and doesn't have an opinion about it so definitely definitely want to hear hear from folks and uh excited to see what's uh what's coming up the rest of the month that's right. Good segue there. Don't forget, you can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We are an anchor distributed podcast, so you can subscribe on there. You can also, of course, check out DCAUReview.com, where not only we have the entirety of our archives posted there, but you can also break things down by certain categories and top episodes, our top pick section, our least favorite episode section. Check that out there. You can also so if you'd like to support us, there's two different ways you can do that. You can either uh, not only follow us on social media, but you could, uh, if you want to spend some dollars, if you have a few extra bucks that you'd like to throw our way, uh, we would love that and feel honored to. You can check out the shop. That's over at DCAUReview.com as well. You can click on the, the store page and then pick up a, uh, a piece of merch, if you will. And, uh, and we would love that. And send us a picture, maybe of you wearing it, sporting it. We'd love to see that. Uh, but if you can't, times are tough. We get it. Times are tough for everybody. So if you can't support us that way, there is an easy way to do so. So not only subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, but if it allows you to leave a review, something that allows you to type up a little paragraph to let people know what you like about us, we would love that. You can also subscribe to us on our YouTube page, well, it's not our YouTube page. It's the YouTube page where we're distributed. And that's with our friends over at the Watchtower database, as well as our friends from Tim Talk. And that is the Pod Tower. You can go to YouTube, search the Pod Tower. We've got a couple different uh, podcasts besides ours up there. I believe James just started a, uh, a new podcast with, with one of his friends from Watchtower database. So I uh, can go check that out. You can also check out the Tim Talk guys as they're wrapping up. They're continuing through Justice League Unlimited as we speak. So uh, good content happening over there. And then Liam, our entire archives are now fully up there, including all of our bonus episodes. So lots of stuff to do there. Support is that way. But as you mentioned, we have a full month coming up here, including uh, a new concept that we're going to be working on coming at the later uh, part of this month. But next week, we will continue with our reviews of Batman Beyond. And uh, Liam, what episode will we be covering? That's right. This is an episode which shall live in infamy. Uh, as next week, we will be covering the aptly titled Zeta. Oh boy, Liam, the episode that Liam swore did not exist. Yeah. <laughs> Zeta, uh, which of course... The episode I said we wouldn't cover until 50 years from now, <laughs> and whatever now is. Well, the future is now, baby, because it's here, and that opens up the door, and the unfortunate burden of us then having to review... <laughs> the Zeta Project episodes, maybe, perhaps. We'll see. We don't know. But uh, until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. We'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCU. Adios. <laughs>